0: and click on the building fund tab. Joshua told the people, "Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow." Thanks, and God bless. Good morning. It's good to see you all here this morning. Well, we're continuing our series in the book of Jonah. You can open up to Jonah chapter 4. We're going to read verses 5 through 8 this morning. And I got to tell you, I'm loving the book of Jonah again. It speaks to me in so many ways. And uh, it's important to remember as we're going through this book that God is trying to tell us a story that is connecting us to himself. And and so let's start again, Genesis chapter four, and let's read verses five through eight. I am reading from the English standard version. Uh, Those of you who are asking or are curious of what version it is, that's the version that I'm reading from. Verse five, it says, Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from the discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on his head, on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. We're going to end there. Sounds like a wonderful morning, right? We're going to talk this morning about having children, about what's in a name, about chicken pox, and about the animated movie Up, okay? So that's where we're going this morning. As Jonah sets out from the city, he he sits on the east of it. And and what he's doing is trying to see what is going to happen. And and what God is wanting to do is create this understanding of Jonah uh, of what he feels like. Before Corrine and I had kids forever ago. It was a long time ago. There was a couple of years that we didn't have kids, and we were able to to do so much more than before when we had kids. Those of you who have little ones, you, you know what I'm talking about. But something I noticed after I had kids that I wasn't aware of before I had children. I remember I would set up events for a church at that point. And then I would see these kids running around, and they'd be getting into mischief. You know, they'd be knocking the chairs out of alignment and things like that. And I would look at those kids, and I was like, whose kids are those? And why are they just running around? You know, those kids should be under supervision. I even set up events. Some of you are laughing because you know my kids, um... I would even set up events where we would have like a New Year's celebration at the church. And what I would plan for is the hall, and I would plan for the sound, and I would, because I was a part of the music. And, and so I would have all these things set up, and then the person who was in charge of the children would come up and say, Where are the kids going to be? And I'd say, Oh, there's a room for them over there. And so I would put all these kids, right, into this small room and say, yeah, take care of it. You know, you got a room and the kids, go ahead and go forward. And my point isn't that I was an evil person. My point is, before I had kids, I had no empathy for parents who had kids. And then I had children and I thought, oh my goodness, this is a lot of work. (laughs) And all of a sudden I became aware of that environment that beforehand I was just not connected to. And I am now more empathetic to people who have children because I have had and still do have children. I didn't kill any of them. I I still have children. And so I know what it was like to have your kids running around through the chairs. And we had four little ones and there was no way the two of us could stop that from happening, right? They outnumbered us. And so I became very empathetic, and there's a kind of empathy that you develop when you go through something that you don't have beforehand. The same is true with an illness. Those who have gone through and had to go through cancer, the the fear, the pain of the treatment, know more of what it's like to have cancer than those of us who have never had to experience ourselves. Even though we've hurt and have lost loved ones to cancer, not having it, I don't know what it's like. It's those who have been there that have that understanding of what it's like. And so God's challenge with Jonah was to work out empathy within him. You see, because Jonah didn't have empathy for the Ninevites. They were his enemy. And sociologically, they have things that are really, uh, it's called a disorder. It's EDD, it's Empathy Deficit Disorder. Not to be confused with APD, which is Antisocial Personality Disorder. And I don't know if EDD or APD is registered with the CDC. Anyway, that was supposed to be funny. Um, but God is trying to develop in Jonah this care for these people. You see, Jonah already knew about what was right. He already knew the important information. He he said that in chapter two, as he said, Lord, isn't this what I said when I was yet in my country? That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish for I knew that you are gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. I knew that about you. But it wasn't enough to have the right information. He didn't have the heart that connected him with that. You know, when a person's here who has a little child and that child's crying, no one hears that cry more than the parent most of the time. There's every now and then those parents who are there, (laughs) I guess. And so when you're thinking, oh, don't they hear that cry? Oh, you bet they heard. They hear every gurgle, every passing of gas. They hear it all, right? They hear all the noises that are coming because they are so sensitive. And they're so concerned about what everyone else is going to think. God wanted Jonah have that. See, God wanted Jonah to experience for himself the feelings of another person. And it wasn't the feelings necessarily of the people of Nineveh. What God wanted is Jonah to experience the feelings that God was feeling. And so that was the point. He is pushing him into this place. And verse five, when Jonah went out, of the city and sat at the east of the city and made a booth. He set up some sticks and gathered this. So he had a little time and he's got kind of now a, a, a box seat looking over the city. And he wanted to see what would happen because who knows, maybe God would still wipe him out because that's what he was hoping for. That's what he wanted. And so as he sets up to look at see what's going to happen, it's in the heat and so he makes himself this little lean-to, this little shelter. And we're supposed to have this picture of the city and the shelter. The city is mentioned three times in this verse. We've seen that it's been a great city, a city that takes three days journey. It's constantly in our mind. And right now we're supposed to picture this two these two images, the image of the great city and the image of the little shelter that he's putting up here. And he needs shade. He needs to kind of have a place where he can sit. He he didn't leave altogether. He still wanted to see what was happening. You know, and it's interesting because perhaps Jonah wanted shelter for the sun for himself, but he didn't want protection for Nineveh. He wanted protection for himself, but he didn't want protection for this great city. And so now Jonah has his box seat for the main event and he's watching to see what's going to happen. And then we see that God appoints a plant. The Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head. And I picture this plant with giant leaves that now provides some shade for Jonah's head. You know, he's there in his little lean-to and his little sticks and now there's a plant covering and we start to see that Jonah starts thinking differently. And what's interesting is in this verse where it says the Lord God, it's a time where we see the two words that are used for God together. We have the word Elohim, which means God, creator, sovereign Lord. But then you have the word Yahweh, which is the Lord, the capital L-O-R-D. That is the, the word for God that the Hebrews used. It was personal. It was meant to be kind of their understanding. And so what's so important about this name? It's associating the understanding that this God is a personal God. As I've been doing more and more dog training in our area, I got a phone call the other day and I was talking to this person. They were referred that someone referred me to them. Let's say, yeah, my friends referred me or you to me and said that you trained their dog and you did an excellent job just throwing that out there um, And so I wanted to talk to you. And as I was talking, they go, is this Sam Scotty? And I said, maybe. You know, (laughs) (laughs) You always want to know why they're asking first, you know. They go, I know you. And they recognize my voice. And it was uh, a... a young person who I knew from a high school group years ago at the church that I was a part of, and it was like, "Oh, Sam!" And I've run into a number of people who said, "Hey, are you Sam Scotty?" And uh, maybe, you know, it's this name now starts to be connected to, "Oh, you're the person who I knew or I heard from this," and the name is now associated. Either your name was given to me because they said this about you, or that you're a person who I know because I've known this about you. And the same is true with the names of God. The idea of Elohim, God is general. And I think the clearest picture we see of this is in Genesis chapter 1, where God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And throughout chapter 1, God did these things. And the high idea is that it's this magnificent God who is just incredible and sovereign and huge beyond our ability to fully comprehend. But in chapter 2, after the creation of Adam and Eve, we see the Lord God. And throughout chapter 2, I think it's from verse 4 on, all we see is the name of Yahweh. Because now this is a God who has a relationship with his creation. This is a God who is personal, who has concern for. In fact, when Moses goes to Pharaoh, and he says, Yahweh has sent me. Pharaoh says, who is Yahweh? And then he has to go back. He goes, oh, that's, that's right. He, he told me who he was, but no, you don't know who he is. And from the rest of that time on, he says, the God of Israel. And so Yahweh was something personal. And the contrast here is intentional. It's meant for us to see that God is sovereign, but he's also a God who is very involved. He's a God who's very concerned. You know, Jonah could ignore God as he did when he answer, you know, didn't answer God's call or even in chapter 4 when God asks a question of him, he ignores it. But for God, the conversation was not over because he is pressing into Jonah's life, and he's trying to pull something out of Jonah. You know, God appointed a plant to grow over the shelter. You know, Jonah sat under his shelter. God grew up the plant over it. And again, we see a key word that's translated extremely. He was extremely happy. He rejoiced over this. And it's like finally Jonah gets some relief, right? because he's just been a miserable Eeyore kind of a guy, this whole thing, right? Doesn't want to go, cries out. He's miserable in the belly of the fish. And he goes through Nineveh, just says, you're going to die in 40 days, I'm out of here. And then he comes up, and now we finally see that he's exceedingly glad because this plant goes over him. But there was something more important at stake than Jonah's happiness, See, God wasn't trying to just make Jonah glad. God was pushing into this conversation to try and get more out of Jonah. And in verse seven, we, we see that he continues this. But when dawn came up the next day, just as God appointed the plant, God appointed a worm that attached to the plant so that it withered. Thanks, right? Great, and that ain't all. It goes on after the plant you know, is withered, It says that when the sun arose, God appointed a scorching east wind so that the sun beat down on him. So the shade that was there is now gone. And not only that, the little bit of shelter that he got from these sticks that he built, now there's a a hot wind that blows through and those sticks aren't going to cut it. That wind's going to pierce right through. And and so we see this dynamic. and, And I think what's going on is God is pushing to get Jonah's attention, and he does it in a very physical way. A few years back, my daughter Lauren got the chicken pox. She was just a baby at the time, and she had just a couple of spots on her, and we're like, what are these? And then we found out, oh, they're chicken pox. And so, oh, okay, well, she's got the chicken pox. And then one of the boys got the chicken pox. Then the other boy got the chicken pox. Then the other boy got the chicken pox. And so everyone who didn't have chicken pox got chicken pox. Well, I had never had chicken pox. And it seemed to get a little bit worse through each of the kids. She barely had anything. She can't even say. She might have a spot on her, but that's it. And even the boys, none of them got it bad. But when it hit me, it hit me with a vengeance. I was like a tack of the mushroom people. I had I had chicken pox on the roof of my mouth. I was just, I was something to see. I, I was a sight to behold. And it just, everywhere of you just is covered. You take these oatmeal baths to try and get some relief. And it was just this, every place in your body is bothered with these chicken pox. And, and you see... When our bodies are affected by something, it affects all of us to some degree. It shapes us, and it's meant to have an effect on us to some way, in some way or another. Throughout the Psalms, we see that the body is often used in the areas of worship, lifting up your hands. My my throat was like a tomb. Um, the bowels, right? It's the seat of emotion. My heart, my knees, my eyes. All these areas of the body are, are meant to be connected to the idea of response or relationship to God. And, and sometimes what God does to get attention is it affects our bodies. When you are emotionally moved, it affects your body. You can lose weight or you're troubled, you might eat a lot and gain weight. You know, it affects who you are. And there's something that's happening to you physically because of what's happening to you emotionally. And the two are connected. And oftentimes, I don't think we see that, you know, because God's stepping up his game to Jonah right here. He's appointing these things and he's going to affect Jonah's body because he's trying to connect to Jonah. A psychological healing was necessary for Jonah's spiritual progress. But as we've seen, Jonah knows the right information. More explanations and insight isn't what he needs. What some of us need is not more Bible study. We don't need more information. What some of us need is more awareness to our condition or to the condition of others around us. Sometimes our bodies make us aware, even of God and these things. And so we're gonna see how God goes at his mind through his body, just like the Psalms talk about. But God... Elohim here appointed a worm. The sovereign Lord causes something to happen. All those lovely leaves are withered and soon Jonah's perfect shade is gone. And Then the wind comes and this whole point here sums this emotional up and down. He feels good about the plant. He feels bad about the withering and the wind. Just like in chapter 2 with the storm, he goes up into the ship, he goes down into the fish or to the belly of the boat at first and then comes up on deck and goes down into the fish. We see this up and down movement in the emotion. Can anyone relate? The up and down of life that comes up and comes down and sometimes it takes the physical pain to get an awareness to get our attention, to move us into a place where we become receptive. And it's an important thing to understand. His mood lifted up briefly, then shot down. Our emotions are more vulnerable and volatile when tied to our circumstances. And that's true, I believe, for all of us. And then Jonah becomes faint. He was about to expire he, he he was fainting in chapter 2. In f- chapter 2, he was in the, the belly of the fish, and he was fainting, and he cried out for God to save him. But here he's fainting, and instead of crying out for God's salvation, he begs to die. He begs with all his soul. Now, this is one line that he must have thought was pretty good. In other words, I'm going to get God to respond. I feel so bad. I would rather be dead. Have you ever heard your kids say that? I would rather be dead. It's kind of funny to to listen to your kids sometimes. And I can say this because I've been in the same mood myself and i made similar statements, but something happens when you start talking to yourself. But you're talking to yourself so that others can hear you. Like my granddaughters, when they get upset, they walk away talking to themselves and sometimes i'll just want to follow them to hear what they're saying you know, you're so mean can't believe it i even said i was sorry you know and, and as they start walking away talking it escalates right it gets worse and worse you're the worst grandparent ever you know it's like oh I, all of a sudden i'm the worst grandparent ever you know you're just so mean I'm never going to talk to you again. It's like, oh, they're never going to talk to me again. It just kind of keeps climbing and climbing and climbing. And something happens when we start talking to ourselves in these things. It's like we hype ourselves up, right? They start developing, you know, you're not fair. You won't let me do anything. You know, you don't love me anymore. You know, I'm never going to get to have fun again. And the further it goes, the more exaggerated, the self-pity escalates. It's, entertaining you know to listen to but that happens with us we have a conversation many times and it becomes kind of just dramatic and we can be that way with god okay god whatever you know This is what you want me to go through. This is what I guess I got to go through. I'm like, Job. like, oh, please, you know, right? It's like, but we feel that way. We start going through these things and we start escalating this. It happens when we talk to each other, right? You start talking to someone about someone else and pretty soon it escalates. Your feelings escalate. It starts getting more and more agitated. I can't believe that. I know the nerve of them to do that. I know. Have you ever seen? No. And pretty soon they're the worst person in the world. What did they do? You know, they forgot to send you an invite to their, you know, party or something. It's like, you know, now it's like they're worthy of death. What's happened? They didn't invite me to the party. I can't believe it. And you just start having this conversation. And Jonah seems to be indulging in a little bit of that emotion. The further it goes, the more agitated he gets. And the whole point here is to allow Jonah's true self to be exposed so that God can get to the heart of the matter so that God can reach into where Jonah really is and reveal what's really there helping him to understand and and to see these things you know we tend to think of things in an informational way If, if I know the information then I will understand what's happening, but God is trying to get to something not from an informational standpoint of facts and figures. What he's trying to do is get to a feeling so that we have an understanding. You know, we we assume that stories, you know, are just a relaying of information, but what stories are, are to connect us to things. They're they're meant to bring our emotion into. An essay can communicate thoughts, but a story communicates experiences. You know, that's why I entitled this series, Once Upon a Time. It wasn't to say that this is a fairy tale, but the whole point of the book of Jonah is to tell a story. And I mentioned this at the beginning. Unlike any of the other prophetic books, Jonah is the story. Jonah only has one prophetic line. He's like, 40 days and you will perish. That's it. The rest of this book is to unfold the story so that we can experience it for ourselves, so that we can move into this. We enter them and they give us an experience of what's happening as we hear this story. The whole purpose of this story is for us to learn by Jonah's experience. That way we don't have to get swallowed by a big fish too, right? It's to help us go through this so that we can save from that. And it brings us into that experience. You see, we remember stories trigger the same place in our brain that the experience triggers. So when you see a story, what happens in your brain is similar to if you were living that story. It produces something in the emotion. You guys remember the beginning of the movie Up you remember, it's like, I almost cry every time I see that, right? You got the man, young man and his wife, they like dating, they get married, they're all in love, and they're so happy, and they have this plan to go and get this house, and they have this jar, and they put the money jar for their dreams, you know, to be in the future, but then the car breaks down, and then there's illnesses, and they keep having to break the jar and go into that. And they go up the hill to have a little picnic together. And first he's slow getting up the hill, you know, because he's a little bit slower than she is. And they get up and they're seeing the clouds and they're picturing all these things. And then years go by and they start getting older. And then one of the scenes, they're going up the hill and she stumbles. Next thing we see, she's in the hospital. And then he notices that they'd never gone to their dreams. He wanted to take her out to I forget South America or somewhere with the dream, but then she gets sick and then she dies. Right? If you've never seen the movie, sorry. Just <laughs> But it's at the beginning, so there's a whole movie after it, right? <laughs> but I, I just think about that and I start, you know, getting like, oh, that's so touching. Or who can forget Braveheart at the very end when he yells out freedom, right? it's so moving. I remember we had a guy who was teaching a high school group and that movie moved him so much that he wanted to show it to the high school kids. And so he got all the high school kids at his house and he showed Braveheart and he forgot that there was a nude scene in the movie because the movie had moved him so much. He totally forgot that. And so the kids went home to their parents. Yeah, we saw this and there was a naked person and that goes great at a church. And, And so The whole idea is that this movie moved him so much that he just wanted to relay the emotion that he felt because stories do that. They connect us to the emotion that is there. We identify, we experience. You see, I know what rejection feels like because I've been rejected. The feeling actually might be more clear to me than the details of what happened. The story of what happened is something I feel and what it feels like to complete a big project. You know, it's a story. You see that and you know what that feels like if you've gone through those things. You know, the problem today is that we have been bombarded with so much information that we've replaced a lot of story with just information. We have essays about God instead of understanding a story that connects us to the heart of God. So many times. The problem is not that we have. That we feel too much. But actually that we feel too little. That we have. Not enough emotion. Like what God has. We don't experience things. The way he does. And. I hope that we are here today. To experience the fullness. Of Jonah's story. What God wanted For Jonah is exactly what we are told about by Jesus. And and I want to watch a movie that tells us another little story. So we're going to watch a movie right now. That story is meant to cause an emotion. It's meant to provoke a thought it's meant to cause us to see that scene. And I don't know how you felt when you just heard that, but I remember when I watched it, how I was moved and just thought, what a beautiful example. It gave me a picture that helped me to see Jesus and what he has done for me. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Jesus, it says about him, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw, and what he saw caused him to feel an emotion. This is what I hope we take from the book of Jonah, is this story is something we read, and it's meant to cause us to feel something, to illuminate maybe something that's inside of us, but more than that, to help us see what God feels. And what we need to do is ask Jesus to help us to see those things. What what we want to do is have Jesus kind of enter into this story for us. Not just in a weird way like okay I'm going to imagine Jesus in this story, but what I you know you use your imagination naturally. When you read the scripture and you read a story, your imagination starts to put pictures to it. You you can imagine what Jesus looks like or the disciples or you know the, the leper who came to him. You, you start picturing these things. Well, invite Jesus to help us with this story to understand the heart of God. Let's invite him to be a part of this. Rather, we want him as we read or pray. I want the real Jesus to help me understand how God feels to guide this story in my mind so that I see what he sees so that I feel what he feels. Next week week we want to unload exactly what that is. But I want you to Recognize this is what God is trying to do through this story and through so many of the parables that Jesus taught is to connect us to what he feels to understand the heart of God. Let's pray. Lord, the thought of understanding. Elohim, a God who is bigger than we can imagine, seems ridiculous but you are not just elohim you are yahweh you are a god who is personal who gives us his name so that we can know your character and i pray lord that even through this story we would get little glimpses of what you feel and we use that word feel because we don't know what else to use It helps us to understand you just a little bit more. And Lord, we have the contrast here. And God, I confess that there are many times I am like Jonah, where I am closed to how you care for people, situations that I just don't want to care about. And what needs to happen, Lord, is I need to be aware just what you feel that it would shape how I move forward. Life is difficult and these situations are difficult and and there are not easy answers for all the problems that face us. But whatever we do as we move forward, may we be moving forward with the right heart, with the right understanding. May we be empathetic And see people lost instead of just a bother. May we see the hurt that you experience instead of the inconvenience that we experience, God. Change us and do it even through this story, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. May the stories you read in scripture inspire you, touch you, and change you. May you see that they're not meant to be just information, but opportunities for us, too, to enter the story. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful rest of the day and a wonderful week. Thank you for being here. Enjoy the rest of the day. God bless you.